Welcome to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Jim Grady, here with my co-host Lou Weiss, who is the the founder of Manufacturing Talk Radio. He is also the owner of All Metals and Forge Group, who's the sponsor for Manufacturing Talk Radio. And every month we talk to Anthony Nieves, who is the committee chair for the Institute for Supply Management's report on services. And the report looks so good this month, Lou, we hardly know what to talk about. I don't know. We never have anything to talk about when things are good. That's why bad news, blood leads or reads or whatever that statement is. So what are we going to talk about, Anthony? Anthony, tell us the good news. Well, the good news is, as you mentioned, the report is, is came out uh, quite well. I mean, we only had a, a slight uh, pullback on the composite index, uh, came in at 56.7 compared to last, last month's 56.9. And as far as, you know, uh, good news versus bad news, I mean, there's still some potential headwinds out there. We have uh, geopolitical concerns. We still have to worry about inflation, even though it seems to have peaked. Rising fuel costs are definitely affecting the prices index more so in this uh, this sector versus the manufacturing side. Uh, Prices is still paramount. You know, we... uh, you guys know on the manufacturing side, you deal more with raw material costs. We have finished goods costs and services costs in this uh, sector. And it's still up there in that rarefied air, 68.7, even though it came down 2.8 percentage points. So things are not uh, exactly ideal at this point in time, even though we're seeing some easing in the supply chain as it relates to um, operating capacity and uh, some backlog has come down, it's still there. Lead times have shortened slightly, but still long lead times. So there's there's a litany of issues. I'm trying to dig up as much of the bad stuff as I can to give you guys something to talk about for this next half an hour. Well, I, I have one, but I'm gonna wait until you, we go further down the line. <laughs> okay. Well, Anthony, I was interested in both uh, new orders, uh, that one and um, oh gosh, well, I'm sorry, the one that's right uh, above or below it on your report there, both of them very strong in this report. Yes, and you know, keep in mind with new orders, 60.6, still strong territory. Uh, uh, it's down slightly, 1.2 percentage points from the 61.8 last month. And I always like to point out, uh, because since you guys are manufacturing talk radio, I always like to reference back to manufacturing. The lead times on the services sector, for the services sector, is much shorter lead times, cycle times, versus on the manufacturing side. More demand pull. So the new orders index, if you had seen that very high on manufacturing, it could be a cycle time of, depending on what the the product was, it could be anywhere from three months to, you know, a year plus out, whereas this is more demand pull. So we see a shorter cycle time. This kind of bodes well. It tells us that going into this fourth quarter, that things look pretty good, uh, which is in line with what our respondents told us during the uh, semi-annual forecast. They said that the balance of 2022 would be good. Uh, we had seen, you know, even though we measure things differently, um, revenues were up, profit margin was up. Um, you know, we had all that pent up demand that came out last year and into the first quarter of this year, starting to see some leveling off, but still strong numbers as far as the leading indicators like new orders. 
that translates into business activity down the road. And as we had seen in the past, we had a strong new orders index, which is why we're at 59.1, only down 1.8 percentage points on the business activity. Um, still looking good. Uh, 2023 remains to be seen as far as what's going to happen with some potential headwinds that we, I just pointed out earlier. But for the most part, the sector is, is humming along pretty strong. Okay, that's it. We've got nothing left to talk about. So, uh, <laughs> well, I got to say that about exports because, you know, in, in the manufacturing side, exports have slowed. Uh, what's happening with exports and imports on the services side, Anthony? Well, it's a small component if you look at the percentage of, uh, of which companies actually export. And export, what, it's not so much on the retail tangible goods side, even though there's some of that in there, but for the most part, you see it on the knowledge management, the information, the professional scientific and technical services, management of companies and support services, consulting, less tie into the strength of the dollar because there's, you know, the expenses could be managed differently versus when you're dealing with tangible goods, when you have costs directly associated to that versus having a little more leeway when you're dealing with the services side of things. And, you know, I look at manufacturing, uh, even though they're different indexes, well, they're similar indexes, but different uh, types of companies, there is a interrelation there. And you look at some of the things that I'm concerned about uh, that may uh, transpose into the services side is looking at manufacturing. They had a very strong month last month, but they had this pullback as well on the composite index. Uh, you're seeing it on the new orders contraction territory. Manufacturing has always been a bellwether for both sectors. And so, you know, we have to keep an eye on how this is going to trend out for the balance of the year on the manufacturing side. I think that, uh, Tim, I think that we should add a new section to Manufacturing Talk Radio as it relates to the Institute of Supply Management. I think we ha should have a section of the show about complaints. I have a complaint and I'd like to be able to voice it. And uh, Anthony, maybe you can help me deal with my complaint. All right, we ready? I'm waiting with bated breath here. <laughs> here in New England, New Jersey, and Massachusetts and New York, when you go into, and this is a service related issue, when you go into a restaurant, and this is a new thing, it's only been going on a couple of months, you go into a restaurant, some places have a sign, some places put a note on their menu, some places don't do it, and they hit you with this surprise. And the surprise is they charge you three and a half percent extra on your food bill if you use a credit card. This is new. I take great umbrage with that. And I've told many a manager that I find that to be terrible. I don't feel as though the customer should be paying for your business expense as a separate line item on the food and drink bill. It's a great point, Lou. And I think that we're starting to see it more in the restaurants than we have in the past. However, it's not an uncommon practice. It's been around for as long as credit cards have been around. You went Is to the right? fuel pumps. Oh yeah, look at the fuel pumps. You have a credit card price and you have a cash price. 
I'm talking about restaurants. I go to restaurants. <laughs> what I'm saying is restaurants may be fairly new, but in many other service industries, they had that differentiation. I'm actually going on an excursion this weekend, right? It's a, it's a, a kind of a, a training academy that I'm going to. I won't get into a whole lot of detail on it, but they actually have, if I give them a check, I will save two and a half percent versus if I pay them with my credit card. Sometimes even debit cards, they'll let you go less because it's a cash transaction without a fee associated with it. But here's the challenge. Not that I'm trying to advocate for the restaurant industry, even though I come from that background as well as you know hospitality being hotels and restaurants for a long time. The margins in that industry are much tighter than a lot of other industries. It is so tough for the restaurant operator these days. I always say, and this is on optimum levels, if they make 10 to 13 cents on a dollar, they're lucky. Okay. They're lucky. And that's and that's compared to if you look at other industries where they're making, you know, 20 to 40 cents on the dollar. And then, and I'm not talking, that's just gross profit. That's not net net. And in the restaurant industry, the way commodity prices, food prices have risen so dramatically. And think about this, they rely on the distribution channel, having distributors adding that time and place value from uh, the manufacturer, grower, source provider into a, a holding warehouse distributor, they charge, okay, surcharges for fuel now on their invoices. So you got everyone passing down all these costs. Ultimately, somebody's got to pay for it. You know, there's no free lunch out there, not to pun on words. So yeah, it's it's kind of it's a it's a it's a it's a tough thing for the consumer for sure, but what's the alternative? The operators won't make it. How many restaurants have closed during the pandemic? 8,000 in this country. That's the number I heard. 8,000 restaurants? I yes. think that's a little low. <laughs> it sounded low, but you would yeah. know better. My solution was, and I've told this to managers, if you have, for example, a $15 charge for a hamburger, when they used to be a quarter, $15 for a hamburger, and you're going to charge me three and a half percent. That's 53 cents, I think it is. You know what? Charge me 75 cents, but don't make me look like I'm paying your business expense. Make the charge extra 75 cents, and you're making a few pennies more on the, on the dollar. I just find it offensive that I'm paying their service charge. Yeah, it's a perception thing for sure. And I think that, you know, as they say, perception is reality. The challenge is that some of these menus, they will be changing them on a daily basis. Because when you look at food products, right, those, those costs change for the most part. Some are daily, some are weekly, some are monthly. Right. It just depends on what the commodity is. Uh, they're tied to certain markets, just like fuel is tied to world commodity markets. You know, you have poultry tied to, you know, might be the Georgia dock market. You got Ernaberry. You got all these different uh, markets that are out there that really dictate the pricing in the local marketplaces or the regional marketplaces. Well, you brought up another pet peeve of mine. <laughs> Gas. On Route 17 in New Jersey, there's a mobile station on the south side that charges $3.39 a gallon for regular. But they also own the mobile station across the divide on the northbound side, and he's charging 
same owner, he's charging $4.25 a gallon for regular. Depends on the neighborhood, the quality of the cars, and the, the affluence. It's across the street. <laughs> the only difference is there's a divide, and you can't cut across the divide to get the cheaper gas. Yeah, it's the same thing out here in LA County versus Ventura County versus, you know, it's it's amazing. You can go from one place to the next, and your fuel cost is going to be different. And also, uh, you know, from what is the major um, where they're obtaining the fuel from, you know, as far as the refinery and and they charge differently as well. So, it, you know, I, hey, I always said, I said this months ago or maybe even years ago, I said, we should do our own meet the press and forget about talking about the, uh, you know, all the different indexes. We can just have like what you're saying. We have this dialogue on all the stuff that's out there that just bothers us. That's right. So that's, like I said, Tim, I heard it. You heard what we have a supporter. We should have the complaint department section of manufacturing talk radio not to not to stay fixated on fuel but remember those commercials about the shell answer man i feel like i'm being positioned to be the shell answer man over here you know <laughs> and i don't like to i don't like to endorse any particular brand or anything but that just was the reference well if i offended anybody by using the name mobile and mobile i apologize i thought you were talking about a phone i had no idea you were talking about fuel <laughs> oh okay well, that's that's my complaint of the day. Well, it's, it's valid. It's valid complaint. I mean, it's uh, it's I've I've experienced it myself, and I think the big thing is disclosure, upfront. Give the consumer the option of whether or not they are going to dine there or not. Don't don't surprise them when you see the bill and see at the bottom surcharge. It's kind of like the EPA. Your mileage may vary. <laughs> Anthony, we've talked about inflation as a headwind. We used to talk about transportation, the ability to get raw materials or get deliveries from the warehouse to the retail location. Has transportation resolved itself? It depends. It's, it's become very regionalized as far as the impact. Because if I talk to somebody uh, here in LA, uh, they're having less issues with trucking versus if you, uh, I should say they have more issues with getting trucking in and out versus if you go to say the East Coast, North Carolina versus going up to the Northeast. It's just, it's different, but there's still the same old uh, issues, shortage of drivers, shortage of trucks, shortage of racks. Uh, it still exists there when you look at it in total. And in California, they passed a bill that proclaimed that you couldn't be an independent contractor truck driver, that you were actually an employee of the trucking company or whoever hired you on. Has that made matters worse in California for truckers and trucks? Great question. I wish I had the answer to that. I don't know. I think you have more insight into that than I do. I, I know they were trying that with the uh, Ubers and the Lyfts and all that, uh, with the uh, ride share and all that, uh, they were trying to get them from independent contractors. And I don't know uh, how that's worked out with the trucking. It's interesting though, very interesting that I think, um, I know that in conversation and dialogue with some of the independent contractors, many of them preferred to stay independent versus being uh, associated with a company. They prefer to have that flexibility. I can tell you when healthcare um, and the business I'm in, 
that uh, for per diem workers, I have to W-2 all of them because it's, it's mandatory uh, requirement by the government if you have uh, Medicare that you have to have them all W-2. You just can't have them as independent contractors. Interesting. Well, we'll see how California fares with all of those attempts as time goes by. So uh, inflation's a headwind. What are the other major headwinds, if there are any in this report, Anthony, that, that uh, appear to stick out to you? Well, inflation, um, even though everyone is saying it's kind of peaked, uh, it's still, we're still seeing high prices right now. And we don't see any easing of that. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll get some stability to where rates start to come down, down the road. But right now, the, you know, the largest contributor to GDP uh, in this sector is real estate rental and leasing. So a lot of the activity that was going on before goes back to what I was mentioning about cycle time is carried forward into this month's report, I should say September's report. And so from the lending side, from the transaction side of uh, property sales and buys, it's, it's all good, but it's slowed down in the last few months and going forward when the rates are this high, it makes a big difference uh, and it affects the activity. So I'm hoping we see rates somewhat normalize and, and, and come down, you know, six, seven months from now um, and get into a normal range of where we were. Because we're talking now getting up over nine percentage points. That's like going back to where we were in the 80s with those interest rates. Um, you know, the other thing is we have geopolitical concerns. You know, we, we've, it's kind of quieted a little bit compared to when it first started, but the war in Ukraine is still uh, issues with the annexation and uh, now with the fuel lines and the, you know, the gas lines rather and everything else going on over there, it's affecting world markets. And uh, hopefully it doesn't escalate to a point where we wind up with some kind of global, global conflict. Uh, that's another, another concern as well. Um, and you know, looking forward that we don't wanna come into the big R, right? We've talked about it in the past. We don't wanna see this issue by any stretch. It could get ugly. Fed reserves keep raising the interest rates. You can almost bet on the big R. Yeah, hopefully uh, we feel this pain uh, fast, you know, deep and fast, and then and then we move forward uh, in a more positive direction. Um, you know, I, I understand it. I think that um, not saying that I like it. You know, we've had to stave off this inflation. I, I understand their strategy. I feel it just like everyone else. I'm not saying I like it. Hopefully, it has the right um, uh, right result out of this, and that we wind up to where again things stabilize a little bit better than where we are right now. You know, this fuel costs are just killing us right now. Tim and I have, a, I believe, a joint uh, understanding. I don't mean to speak for you, Tim, but we did agree on something the other day where we talked about the Federal Reserve will keep raising rates until they get it wrong. <laughs> no, it's interesting. They, they have a tough job and, and I have to be very careful if we're going to go visit them in a couple of weeks so I can't be saying anything that comes back. <laughs> I want to make sure I get through and back on, okay, you know, but anyway, uh, all kidding aside, uh, they'll tell you themselves that in the past, uh, and not necessarily the administration that's in the Federal Reserve now, but in the past, they have caused recessions. Uh, they, they have done it. Uh, you know, if we go back uh, to the past two recessions, they were very much a contributor to that. And right. it's very tough. I mean, their thing is to 
uh, you know, manage the monetary policy to uh, manage inflation, uh, help with the employment picture. Uh, it's a tough, tough, their, their role has expanded considerably as far as the impact, I should say, uh, if you go back over the past three decades. Yes, it reminds me of the game where you slowly pull out one little block of wood and hope the tower doesn't collapse. And <laughs> they usually pull out the block of wood that causes the tower to collapse. So we'll see how they do this round. Remember, that was Tim Grady that said that, not Tony Nieves. It's in the year report, you usually uh, give us what the GDP number would be. Now, first quarter, we ran a little negative. Second quarter, we ran a little negative. Uh, how is your GDP correlating, your number correlating with GDP at this point? Well, if we annualized it, which, you know, that's not what we'll see as a true picture. But if we take this month's activity of the composite index and annualize, it's 2.4 percent which is decent territory. I mean, we were seeing, you know, up near, you know, 3.8, 3.9 after we uh, were coming out with the, uh, of the pandemic with the pent up demand. Um, and even with uh, the composite index of 56.7 and some of the other uh, sub indexes that make that up being high, uh, we're seeing employment at 53 still, you know, it popped up that month and that and that's of, of this past month, but still, um, I don't see that getting much higher. Uh, we have still have the restricted labor pool. Uh, there's also certain industries within certain, uh, certain companies within certain industries are not as robust in their hiring practices, even though overall the sector is showing uh, good gains on the employment side. So, and the reason why I bring this up is like new orders are strong. Uh, business activity strong, deliveries are starting to get into a normal range at 53.9. So when you look at all of these uh, these four indexes that comprise this, um, I don't see it as it relates to GDP uh, getting much better for the balance of the year. I think we're going to see more sideways movement, continued growth incrementally as we're seeing right now, um, and hopefully. Uh, 2023, we stay in positive territory, but we still have, as we've talked about, these headwinds that could affect all of that. So that all being said, uh, with regards to the uh, manufacturing report that Tim Fiore gave out two days ago, I have a standing bet with him uh, that the number is going to go higher than the 50 point six or 50.7 i don't remember exactly 50.6 yes 50.6 i maintain that that number is going to go up in october that's the activity number that it's 50.9 on the composite for him it's going up so where do you think your number is going to look uh next month lou i hope you are 100 accurate believe me you me we got five bucks on it well you you have good insight I mean, the business you're in, you have very good insight to that. And for me, as I mentioned uh, earlier on, uh, during this um, uh, show, that I look at manufacturing as that bellwether. And it concerned me a bit when they had that pullback on that composite index. I was thinking, okay, we always have this lag on the services side. And I'm hoping that 
you know, yeah, we'll see services stay strong for the next three months, but manufacturing is keeps nose diving. It's eventually going to pull. Uh, the services will pull through with that as well. So I'm hoping you were right. I'm hoping that this is just a head fake that we're seeing right now. Well, typically in, in past decades, uh, September in the manufacturing world uh, tends to be a little bit slower because people are coming back from vacation, their kids are going to school, uh, and manufacturing takes a bit of a slow startup again from the summer months. So it usually, we usually around the 15th of the month at All Metals and Forge Group, we see that there is a significant pickup. And again, that has happened. But the point is that your numbers go from mid-month to mid-month. So that 50.6 really ends at when the real September numbers start picking up. So actually, uh, it goes a little, it goes later than that without okay. giving out the whole details of and the mechanics of how we collect the data and stuff, but it's because of the way technology has evolved. Right. I would say it was in the past, like going back 10 years ago, yes, but now we go later into the month. But oh. the thing is, think about this, and I brought this up uh, on a call this morning with uh, somebody from the media. Seasonality is not the same as it's been because we're coming from the pandemic, right? It threw right. the historical trends right out the window. We would always know, to your point, same thing on the services side. You always had plant closures and vacations and things during the summer. Right. We had all this pent up demand that carried us through from last summer into this summer. And we don't have that same thing. We've always, remember January was a very strong month. Yes. Historically, we would see that lull after the holidays, right? That little nosedive and it picked up right. the second part of February. That went out the window this year. So it's hard to look at the seasonality of things comparative to what it was in the past. But you're right, you're right about January because the first two weeks of September is like the first two weeks of January, typically. Yes. So we'll see with regards to us this coming January, will the first two weeks of January be the slowdown, you know, coming back from the holidays and so on and so forth. So we'll see. But I like I like your thought process, Lou. I, I'm, you know, I if I'm you have my vote. I want you to be one hundred. I want you to get that dollar from Tim. No, it's five dollars. It's five dollars. <laughs> Whatever, even better, five times better. <laughs> I don't want to disrupt the whole economy with this five dollars. <laughs> yeah, it's just nice to do everything. Well, we appreciate you being with us again, Anthony, and we'll probably reach out to you about our complaint show that we are now probably going to have to birth since, since Lou's talking about it. I think he's enthusiastic about it. So we may have a new MTR show, but thanks for joining us. You know, I think if you do that show, I'm going to have to start showing up wearing a hat because there's not much hair left to go here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for joining with us, and uh, we'll see you next month. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great day. All right. You take care. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Uh, visit us at jacketmediaco.com, and be sure to check out ismworld.org.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.